is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Thank you all for being with me today. Uh, this p- podcast you're probably listening to as you smell turkey and as <laughs> you're getting ready for all of the Thanksgiving festivities that you're having at your uh, separate houses. Uh, hopefully, uh, you are... Uh, well, maybe you are breaking rules and uh, having more than 10 people in your house. Uh, at least that's what the, the rules are in some places that I've heard. Uh, some people may not even be having uh, Thanksgiving, but that is fine by me, whatever you decide you want to do. Uh, but here is a podcast for you, and this will be hopefully a topic that you and your family and friends that are with you or not with you can talk about. Um, we're going to start a series, and the we uh, is myself and a gentleman that I'm going to introduce to you all for the first time. Uh, he is actually a member here at Bellcroft Bible Church, and uh, he actually walked up to me and approached me about helping with the podcast. And uh, in my pride, I said, uh, probably not, but then in my humility, I said, I need the help. Uh, and his name is Kelly Gallagher. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, joining me and helping me out with everything uh, because I am a man in need of help. And uh, this is uh, this is going to be a great topic that we are going to be able to talk about, uh, not just because of the fact that uh, of our uh, our history in the charismatic church, uh, but charismania is, is, as you probably already see the title of this, we're going to talk through a few things and, uh, but ultimately can you give me Kelly, like kind of like where we're going and, and why we're doing this podcast? Yes, absolutely. So, um, in this podcast series, we're going to be discussing the mania that is the charismatic movement. Um, the charismatic movement, uh, is a major issue in the church today. Um, if it has not affected you as a believer directly, um, I almost have no doubt that it will. I'd be very surprised if it hasn't affected you in some way, shape, or form, your right. family. Um, the charismatic movement is the largest growing religion in mm. the world. Wow. Not de- Christian denomination, not sect of Christianity, religion in the world. Um, and what the charismatic movement is spreading many times is a false gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not that many other times, a lot of awful false teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, the charismatic movement is centered around charisma, the the gifts, um, being, being the spiritual gifts that we see in the early church of the mm-hmm. speaking in tongues, right. the prophecy, the miracles, the healings. Um, and the desire of the charismatic movement was not only to bring those back in many of the structures of the early church, but also to reinvent and redefine those gifts. Now, before you you go on, you yeah. you starting to preach here. Hold on, Kelly. <laughs> so slow down a little bit. Yeah. So before we get yeah. to that point, give me kind of first of all, I should probably ask you this because a lot of people don't know who you are. But mm-hmm. what? Why is it that you're even like? Uh, uh, why is it that you're even in the mindset or want to have this type of uh, study or, or want to talk about this type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was uh, influenced and deceived by the charismatic movement, mm-hmm. um, and it was uh, it was very harmful to me, and, and my wife was as well. Um, we were, were not actually a part of a charismatic church, uh, per se, um, but we were uh, a part of a 
charismatic like home group family uh, mm-hmm. this family didn't belong to a church mm-hmm. um, but they led us astray in many many ways mm. uh, they taught us um, things along the lines of well not only like the, the that the sign gifts were um, present in the church today and that they were different things um, but also that you know as believers we can become perfect and that we ought to become perfect mm. and uh, much like uh, Charles Finney, who we'll talk about later on, um, that we are not only justified by the work of Christ, but we are justified by our obedience to the word of God. Mm. Um, in that, you know, we need to obey. Uh, that's, that's not perfect at all. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Which is actually one of the oldest heresies in the church. Right. Um, so my wife and I came out of the charismatic movement and we had many friends who, uh, we're still in it and some who still are unfortunately and it's it's uh it's sad to see the not only the fruit in their lives but in how we have grown in the truth we desire this for our friends who are in the charismatic movement um so uh, an intention behind this podcast is not only to bring about um uh, a correction um but this is this is because we love the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we cherish the Word of God, and if there's anything that is uh, not in line with the truth, we want to call it out. Okay, um, cool. That yeah. that's that's good. I, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so uh, I, I think that what we should probably do is is kind of define uh, what the charismatic movement is and yeah. uh, kind of get put some. Uh, some some meaning behind like hey this is exactly what the charismatic movement is mm-hmm. one one thing that I did in my note taking um, I kind of came up with the word uh, you know defining the word charismania or charismatic mm-hmm. um, charis uh, is the root word of it and it, it actually comes from it's kind of like a spirit field uh, Christianity or a uh, uh, charisma is kind of like the, the root word of everything and right. and when you look at like what I like, especially what I've been uh, studying, charis- charismatic is v- extremely infectious. Mm-hmm. So when people think of the word charismatic, they think of a person that has charisma that is, you know, very appealing, very uh, uh, magnetic. So that pulls you in. And that is what I saw. But then I started to see how mm-hmm. people are pulled in and. Um, it really came down to the 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 root of it came down to literally just it being <laughs> this is so this is so bad. Uh, it really came down to people's pride being stroked. Yes, that's really what it came yeah. down to. And uh, I'm I'm saying it's bad because now I'm like in retrospect, uh, you know, I, I, I asked, you know, Kelly what his background is, but literally my background is from the charismatic church. I grew mm-hmm. up in it as a small child. Like I was born into the charismatic church. Mm-hmm. When I came out of my mother's womb, I had a tambourine in my hand and I was playing <laughs> the tambourine and shouting like yeah. that is what I came from. There is a difference uh, in, you know, there is, there are, there are a few differences in uh, like we would call them, and I put this in air quotes, uh, white and the black church, mm-hmm. but the the theology is is really bad, and we'll get into that uh, yeah. a little bit here. Um, but as far as the 
as far as the uh, 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 the entire movement, um, can we go over a few things about the entire movement? You have some notes that you, you yes, had come up with. Yes, absolutely. But before we get into that, I kind of want to provide a little bit of a disclaimer. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's always good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as we approach this, we want to approach this um, with grace and we want to ask your grace as we... Uh, as we uh, go about this, but we want to make it known that we know not all charismatics hold to everything we are going to address. Some will, some won't. Um, within the charismatic movement, there's a lot of variants and there's many subcategories. There's the first wave, second wave charismatics, third wave um, with the prosperity gospel. So we know that there's a lot of differences. Not all charismatics are going to be held to this is exactly what they believe, but many things will be mm-hmm. um, held commonly. So, And also, this is not an exhaustive list. There are many things um, that, you know, likely we will not talk about completely. Um, there are just so many changes in the movement all the time, so many different teachings that it's almost impossible to keep up with. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be able to get to every last thing, but what we want to cover here are the core kind of fundamental um, theologies, issues, methodologies of the charismatic movement. Um, So we're going to be sort of painting a broad brush overview, Mm -hmm. at least within this podcast here. Mm -hmm. Um, In podcasts following, we're going to get more in depth to the history and the origins of the charismatic movement, um, which I'm excited to do. It's a very interesting history that I think will reveal a lot of truth about the movement. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to get into a lot of the fundamental beliefs of the charismatic movement mm-hmm. pertaining to, like, what, how do they believe, uh, like, what's different in their belief about the Holy Spirit than, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a Reformed Protestant believes about the Holy Spirit. Right. So things like that, we're going to get into more specifics. Um, so... I kind of want to go through this uh, little summer summary I put together, and uh, buddy, feel free to interrupt me, and we'll talk about more things as we go through. Um, but the charismatic movement as we know it today, um, I like to say that uh, Charles Finney kind of um, tilled the soil for the charismatic movement mm-hmm. in the mid to late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Charles Finney was really big into emotionalism, revivalism, and he branched off of like uh the presbyterians which like that's he went to school to be a presbyterian minister Mm -hmm. um but he did not follow the standard presbyterian teachings at all he really kind of went astray Mm -hmm. and uh so he was really big on revivalism uh emotionalism uh he was big on calling people to the anxiety bench to you know give a profession of faith to the lord Mm -hmm. um and uh so he really kind of uh was the start to the charismatic movement but uh two large spear headers of the charismatic movement would be men by the names of charles f Parham and william j seymour um so these these men were really big on introducing that the sign gifts had come back to the church um they had what are the sign gifts so the sign gifts being uh the gifts that we see in First Corinthians uh, chapters 12 uh, through 14, mm-hmm. where we see um, uh, the, the tongues, healing, the miracles, interpretation of tongues, um, prophecy, all these things, which the church uh, up until this point, um, like the, the mainline church up until this point, had uh, believed that these gifts had ceased 
um, I mean, as early as the, you know, as soon as the the apostles were gone, Hmm. um, this belief was held up until this point. Now, there were some fringe groups that had shown up from time time to time, but they they were, you know, kind of written off by the mainline church. Mm -hmm. Um, But these men, they they reintroduced that and redefined it. Mm -hmm. Um, A big thing that they taught was about spirit baptism. They taught that there was a separation from salvation, baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, this brought about uh, a sort of have and have nots of the Christian faith. There were some that were, you know, uh, spirit-filled, spirit-baptized Christians, and then there were some that had not been. But in early Pentecostalism, which is, you know, what started from these men, mm-hmm. um, they they were, they pretty much held that it was critical to salvation that you were spirit-baptized. And that the evidence of the spirit baptism and salvation was through the speaking of tongues. That's crazy. And their speaking of tongues was not the original, you know, intended biblical use of the speaking in tongues as an like an evangelistic tool for ministry, mm-hmm. but that it was an ecstatic speech. It was like similar to barking, laughing, <laughs> chanting in unintelligible speech. Did you just say barking? Barking. Yes, barking. <laughs> You can literally uh, go to um, YouTube and find people, f- you know, look up uh, falling out in the spirit. Yeah, that, and you'll uh, see, we called it slain in the spirit. Yeah, slain in the spirit, yeah. yeah. And you'll see, uh, you know, prosperity gospel preachers waving their coats around, people falling down on the ground, yeah. shaking. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Shaking and barking. It's ridiculous. Here's the thing. The yeah. the sad reality is that this is the life that I lived. Mm-hmm. Like I was there in those services where they would come by and you know lay hands on me and, and they would, you know, uh, they would, you know, like touch my, my stomach. It's like I could feel the spirit in your belly like it's there. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many times I've been yeah. laid on, you know, someone laid their hands on me and it felt like they were pushing me down. Yeah. So I'm like standing my ground like you're not going to push me down. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of like I'm supposed to fall. That right. I fall out and then somebody comes and lays a cloth over top of me, right. you know, and all this stuff. So uh, the, you were talking about the um, the speaking in tongues part. Uh, glossolalia is what I found. Mm-hmm. And it is the phenomenon of apparently speaking in an unknown language, especially mm-hmm. in religious worship. But it's practiced especially by Pentecostal and charismatic Christians. Now, you were talking also about um, the you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got a I got a story to tell. So yeah. that that comes from like one is Pentecostalism or mm-hmm. apostolic uh, uh, background. So um, the the story that uh, okay, so there is this young lady that I was dating uh, a while ago, well before my wife, obviously, and uh, she said to me like, "Look, you know, if we're going to be together, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name." And I'm like, "Um, I'm baptized." She's like, "So when they baptize you, what do they say?" It's like, well, they baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. She's like, nope, you need to be re-baptized. I was like, I don't understand. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. So the reference that she used was actually Psalm, uh, sorry, Acts nineteen one, And uh, in Acts 19, um, 1 through 7, 
uh, one of the things it says in verse uh, let me see two, and he said to them, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" And they said, "No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit." And this is uh, actually um, who is this? And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth. Paul passed through in the inland country and came to Ephesus. So this is uh, that was chapter chapter nineteen, verse one. Then he found some disciples, and he said to them, verse two, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" And they said, "No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit." And he said into what then were you baptized they said into john's baptism right and paul said john baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him that is jesus on hearing this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus and when paul had laid hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and Mm -hmm. prophesying there were about 12 men in all so her uh mm-hmm. what she was saying to me is that I need to be rebaptized in Jesus name. Right. And as I read this now, I'm thinking, uh wait a minute. Uh I was baptized, you know, according to uh uh Matthew 28:19, yeah. baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um and those 18, 19, 20, one of those verses mm-hmm. in that whole section. So I'm like, okay, I was baptized. But from this, this is where she got it because they were baptized again. But it was in the name of Jesus at that point because those apostles or the sorry, those disciples had this idea that they were baptized in the name of uh, uh, John the Baptist. But right. then, you know, Paul and Apollos was there and they rebaptized them in the name of Jesus. And then they received the Holy Spirit. Now, their evidence there then and there is they were speaking in tongues. Now, in the time frame, that would have been right and good that right. they were there speaking in tongues. But as you were saying, um, a lot of the oneness Pentecostals uh, or the apostolic uh, uh, denomination, they will tell you that if you are not speaking in tongues, that you are literally not saved. Um, so this yeah. this this young lady was telling me, like, you have to be rebaptized. There was another one, and I think I've told this before on on this podcast, where um, there was uh, this this group of people that I was uh, hanging out with, and uh, a young lady came to me and she said, "Buddy, guess what?" I'm like, "What's up?" She's like, "I'm about to be, I'm 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 going to receive the, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, get baptized in the Holy Ghost on Wednesday," mm. and I was like, "Okay," and then she like laughed, and then she looked at all the other people and they laughed at me, and I'm like, "What is that?" She's like, "You don't understand." I was like. What do you mean? I don't understand. She's like, when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be speaking in tongues. I'm going to be prophesying. Mm-hmm. And then I won't be able to sin. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I can't <laughs> sin if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, wait, uh, hold on. That's like, disgusting. I don't understand that. Like, how is that the case? Mm-hmm. But that is a part of w- what they believe. And yeah. she was like, like, she looked at me as if I had like committed a cardinal sin by not knowing that and that I was, you know, stupid and I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that glossolalia, when I, well, glossolalia, I'm sorry, when I looked at, when I saw that word, and, I, and I'm actually, I'm going to, you know, tell you where I get my stuff from. Yeah, go uh, for This it. is from uh, gotquestions.org. I, I just literally went there and I looked up what char- the charismatic church is. I would highly mm-hmm. recommend that. It's a, it's a good resource, um, but it kind of tells you so uh, what that's about. So you were talking about... Um, Charles Parham and William Seymour mm-hmm. um, th- to bring back the prophets and the apostles. My question, and you may not mm-hmm. be able to answer this question, but you know we can both take a crack at it. Yeah. Why is it that they felt the need 
to try to bring back in in air quotes the offices of prophets and apostles yeah it's like what are you doing yeah is the bible not enough for you Mm -hmm. and that is the eternal question that we will be asking all the time when we talk about charis charismania um but it's it was that was really what i saw was uh uh, the the big thing is like the Bible isn't enough, so I need something that's extra biblical. You know right. the the you know the 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 speaking of God to a person or the prophets or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. So yeah, well, one thing uh, is uh, the Charismatics they see the early church and what happened in the early church, and they take that as normative mm-hmm. and prescriptive mm-hmm. for the church today. Wow, that. Okay, so in Acts 19, where these, uh, you know, people who had been baptized with the baptism of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. um, you know, they hadn't known Christ, and as validation for, um, like, their witness, like, that the, you know, let, let's go back to that real quick. Um, so it was in verse 2. He had said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, uh, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. This is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul had laid his hands upon them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Uh, so they they take this experience as this is what has to happen mm-hmm. in the life of a believer for them to be baptized in the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, and what they don't understand is that, you know, these were people who were baptized in the baptism of John. So if we're going to take this as normative, okay, you got to start there. You got to be baptized with John's baptism, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to, if we're going to go full fledged, then some apostles have to come in, right? Yes. Some apostles have to come up to you. Yeah. And then, you know, baptize you in the name of Jesus. Okay. And then you will begin speaking in tongues. And the speaking in tongues, uh, I love what MacArthur says here, which is very clarifying uh, in his commentary in the NASB. um, I'm sure it's the same in the ESV as well. But um, they they, they are not the same. It's not the same. (laughs) The the commentary is not the same, or the the ESV and the NASB oh, are not oh, the okay. same. The ESV is the extra special version. Oh, so well, just... this is the as the Just Thinking <laughs> podcast says, the non-Armenian standard Bible. Uh, so I love it starting that rivalry early on. Huh? So, <laughs> so uh, uh, John MacArthur says, uh, with quoting the the speaking with tongues and prophesying, that this served as proof that they were part of the church. So there's a, another note uh, in chapter 8, uh, verse 17, that they also needed tangible evidence that the Holy Spirit now indwelt them since they were not, uh, since they had not heard that he had come being the Holy Spirit. Um, so this experience was not um, one that was going to continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, however, th- they take a passage like this and they say, well, this is a prescriptive passage. It's like they, they go back to acts two as well. And they see, um, like how everybody was filled with the Holy spirit at Pentecost. And then you have the Azusa street revival, which was, uh, William J. Seymour, Mm -hmm. um, who had held that revival 
and they called it the new uh, Pentecost. Yeah. Because they believed that, okay, so now everybody's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then going back to the prophets and apostles and stuff, we see in Ephesians chapter 2 that the prophets and apostles were laid as the foundation of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to make a point, yeah. though, um, out of this. And this comes from, you know, what we have been learning in the book of Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jesus was being baptized, uh, when he was being baptized and uh, after that, um, let me see. So Jesus begins his ministry. So Mark chapter 1 came up out of the water and he saw the heavens oh okay let me back up just a bit and so if you look at the baptism of jesus and what comes up before that so john so mark 1 verse 4 john appeared baptizing the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins mm-hmm. all the country of judea and jerusalem were going out to him to be baptized now you know go down to verse 7 and he preached saying after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop and untie, stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how in Acts, the disciples mm-hmm. of John could say, oh, I didn't know he came. Mm-hmm. Like he literally said that to them. And they should have been right, right there yeah. while he was baptized. And maybe they had showed up late or something like that. Mm-hmm. But. Um, then I remember in Mark as well, we had talked about it, that, uh, the apostles of John, like John told his apostles to go and seek Jesus. Mm-hmm. So at some point it should have been that. And, and my point of this is mm-hmm. when you look at the charismatic movement, they're just like John's disciples. Mm-hmm. What they like to do is they like to say, well, we have received what we know and then we're going to go and we're going to have our own church. And they don't reference, you know the actual teachings of, of the, the, the prophets or even right. the teachings of, of, of you know, the, the law. They don't, they don't mm-hmm. acknowledge that. They have their own interpretation and they say, well, I follow this person or I follow that person yeah. instead of studying the scriptures. That's so true. And if you look at like even Azusa Street, mm-hmm. you know, that was like their, their like new thing. And, and I don't, I, I want to kind of, I, I do like these, I, I call them squirrel moments where it's like <laughs> a dog walking, you know, you're walking your dog, he sees a squirrel and he wants to run and chase the squirrel. Right. Well, this is my squirrel moment when I think of, uh, uh, Charles Pearson, who was, um, I think he was, I think he was the guy that, that was, that was the, the pastor, uh, of Azusa something. He ran the Azusa, uh, uh, conference. I'm talking like in the nineties, hmm. uh, nineties, early 2000. And, um, he actually had this thing that, uh, he, he came up with this, he had this new revelation, this new word that, and it wasn't new. It was an old, you know, thing that he was kind of reviving. And he was like, to the point where he's like, yeah, everybody is saved. So mm-hmm. there's no, like, there's no need for evangelism. Everybody is saved. Right. There were a lot of people that came out and just completely just like, like told him, dude, you are completely wrong, mm-hmm. thankfully. But yeah. the the problem is, is that you have all of these people that are going extra biblical mm-hmm. and trying to do their own thing and thinking, oh, I, I, yeah, I got this, you know, I don't need that. So in Acts 19, they were literally being confronted by Paul and by Apollos, but Paul, who had been hanging out with Jesus, you know, in the desert, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and like that, and, and then he's the one that wrote the epistles. He's writing all these letters to these churches, literally with the words of, of God, mm-hmm. and they are confronting him like, we didn't know that that's, that I don't believe that. 
But then it's like I can't say that say that I don't believe that, but I'm just kind of adding that. Yeah. But the problem is that that's that's what the that's what the thing is is that extra biblical stuff yeah. that you know gets in the way of mm-hmm. everything. You know and what I mean? Herein lies the probably the main issue with the charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. It's the continued revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the belief that the canon is not closed, mm-hmm. whether they say that or not. Um, they may not say that they don't believe that the canon is closed, but they also say that they believe in the ongoing progressive revelation of God through prophecy, through mm-hmm. prophetic utterances. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have prophets rising up. And right now during coronavirus, you have people like Kenneth Copeland, you know, a couple months back blowing the <laughs> virus away. I that blow. He went, <laughs> that didn't the happen. wind of God <laughs> on you. <laughs> COVID-19. Uh, you, oh, if you, if you, man. if you are on social media at all during that time, you have seen the ridiculous videos mm-hmm. of what people have done with that. Um, you know, you know, the funny thing about it is too um, that that church that he was at that was completely mm-hmm. empty um, when he blew the virus and he was like, "Burn this thing," you know. Mm-hmm. It, none of that ever happened. Right. None of that ever happened. That big old church that he has on his property, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, all of his you know, riches aren't from ill-gotten gain. I mean, he has mm-hmm. natural gas on his land. Um, he's a pretty good businessman from what mm-hmm. I understand. Um, he really doesn't need to preach. Mm-hmm. You know, he really doesn't. He probably shouldn't <laughs> preach. Oh, he definitely shouldn't. <laughs> he, yeah. sh- he, should, he should probably sit down somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, he needs to... Uh, to uh to to go back and explain all of the fallacies in his mm-hmm. teaching just mm-hmm. to let people know that all of that stuff is wrong and it's untrue and as a, as a matter of fact here's a list of guys that I rolled with that you shouldn't be listening as well mm-hmm. and here's the, the list of of the prophets that you need to read in in the bible not yeah. not the prophets that I've been promoting Absolutely. and the apostles that are in the bible not the one that I say that I'm the in the office of I mean yeah. that's probably what he should do he, from what I understand, he can probably go and, and you know just you know his net worth is is good enough that he could retire right now, which mm-hmm. I think he should. You know, instead of oh, you, yeah. know, you know doing all the uh, the the gymnastics that he does mm-hmm. to to put out these things. Um, but in the at the in the same breath, I mean, he is coming in a long lineage of people before him. Yeah. We we had mentioned Charles Finney. Um, mm-hmm. I, we should talk about Charles Charles Finney a little yes. bit um, because he was kind of like you were saying he was the catalyst mm-hmm. of of kind of what the charismatic movement is. Yeah, yeah, and how he he tilled the soil for the charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was pretty much the author of the altar call. Mm-hmm. He would be the one who would deliver. You know, he was an excellent speaker. Mm-hmm. Excellent speaker. You can look up um, many profound quotes by Charles Finney. He was really big at hmm. his you know, really good with his profound quotes and making something sound good. Um, so what he would do is he would stir up the emotional, like the emotional state of his audience. Mm-hmm. And he would call them to make a profession of faith. He would call them to repent of their sins. He would call them to, you know, whatever it may be. But it was it was typically in a physical sense of getting out of the aisle walking to the front, making a display of themselves. Mm. Now, this is not to completely write off altar calls altogether. You know, um, I'm personally, I'm not really for them just because, you know, it's it can definitely be driven by emotionalism. But in the sense of these altar calls were completely rooted in emotionalism. And I, so I don't was, know altar calls that aren't 
driven yeah. and emotionalism. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, the the altar call, you know, there's some soft music playing mm-hmm. and um, you know, it'd be someone saying, you know, the the preacher would say, Hey, you know, if you're and my old pastor would say the the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. We knew that it was the altar call call when he would say, If you're here today. Yep, yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you're here today. And it's like we know that this is the altar call, so yeah. we could kinda know it. And and he would also have these kind of motions. He would wear a lapel mic. Mm-hmm. He would take the lapel mic off and he would hold it like really, really close. And he oh, would be yeah. like if you're here today, yeah, and you are uh, hearing these words, and yep. you are just it, it, the Holy Spirit is just convicting you and pricking your heart. You'll make me cry. Come right now, <laughs> and he had the soft music yeah. playing. And then if you brought a friend uh, to church, you would be rubbing their back. Yes, and you will push them, <laughs> push them to to get up and and go, and, and you yeah. know get up and go. Or he would, do, or they would do this. You know, everyone close your eyes, close your eyes. And uh, if you're here today and and you 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 hearing all these words and you want to know more about God and and you 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 want to you know get to know God, just raise your hand. Mm-hmm. I see that hand. I yeah. see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. You know the elders will will come right now mm-hmm. and and if you raise your hand, I I want you to make a bold step. I want you to to get some boldness and I want you to come up here right now to the altar. <laughs> And then there's the second one. So everybody would clap uh-huh. when they, you know, they're getting up. And then the second one. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's other people here today that if you're in a backslidden state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a backslidden. I feel like I'm reliving these moments because yeah. I've lived these moments so mm-hmm. many times as a kid. Mm-hmm. And even as an adult when I just was not in the right mindset of knowing mm-hmm. um, and, and wasn't awakened to, like, you know, everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. But this is what Charles Finney had come up with uh because it was and like you're saying an emotional uh an emotional state of 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 i don't know if i'll say consciousness it's unconsciousness you know there's just like unconsciously i'm just i'm just moving because this Mm -hmm. is what you know i feel i'm supposed to do at this moment in time it's it's totally about you know calling the emotions uh, out of people, which, you know, if you make an emotional response, typically it's not going to be a good, well thought out response. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're emotionally called to follow Christ, you're typically not counting the cost of discipleship. Yeah. Um, wow. But, yeah, the, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, the uh, the only thing that I mean, this is a total like total squirrel moment. The only thing that I can understand about an altar call is um, like the response part of a gospel presentation Mm -hmm. but in the sense of like hey get up and come up here or like let's get all emotional and people close your eyes and some people raise their hands that that's garbage like Mm -hmm. that that you know that is um not calling people to count the cost of discipleship that's calling people to make an emotional decision that's not well thought out Mm -hmm. um and it's incredibly dangerous so that was charles finney um another thing that he was big on was social reform he was really big about altering the moral state of society. Um, in fact, you read um, any of like his excerpts and stuff like that out of his books that are really profound. You go to the book as a whole, and I guarantee you that three quarters of the book is about conforming the moral standards of society. So let me let me yeah. give you the uh, let me give you the uh, the, the perspective. Mm-hmm. His he was he died in 1875. Mm-hmm. So that's five years or 
12 years after the slaves were freed. Let me let me let me make sure I'm put. He was around. He was around during the time of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. That's when back then he was talking about social reform Mm. and what is like the hot topic right now in 2020 Mm -hmm. and beyond social reform, social justice. Mm -hmm. That is that is crazy that like that is what he is is talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah, so he was he was social justice Christianity before we even see it today. Wow. I mean, he probably wasn't the first one to be that way. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you he wasn't. Yeah. Um you can probably trace that back to the first couple years of the early church. You can right. see some mm-hmm. wacky stuff with that. Um so he was he broke off from like the Presbyterian uh like denomination, but he did not follow to traditional like Calvinist or Presbyterian teachings at all. Um, he refused to go to seminary. Um, he also believed in the separation of like the Holy Spirit baptism. That's what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, as we said, like really big on emotionalism. Um, he believed in the perfectionist doctrine, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, my wife and I encounter. Many of our friends encountered with that family that I was speaking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the leader of that household, uh, was he loved Charles Finney. He would he would read Charles Finney stuff like it was scripture, mm. um, and he would he taught us that um, you know, like one ought to be perfect once you are saved, like fully without sin, that you can be completely sanctified. So so watch this. I'm going to yep. read you a quote from his book, "Sinners Bound to Change." Mm. The sinner actually changes, and it is therefore himself, in the most proper sense, the author of the change. So he's actually saying that it is not uh, Christ that changes us. It's right. the sinner mm-hmm. that changes himself. And um, also from gotquestions.org, Charles Finney denied that this that mankind has a sinful nature inherited from Adam. Rather, Finney said, our sinfulness is the result of moral choices mm-hmm. made by each individual. Christ's death on the cross, according to Finney, was not a payment for sin as much as it was a demonstration that God was serious about keeping the law. The reformation of a person's morality is the essence of Christianity, according to Finney, and it is the sinner who was responsible for his own regeneration. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Scary. Let me add another quote here. Uh, So Charles Finney, uh, I don't know what what book this is out of, but he said, whenever a Christian sins, he is under condemnation and must perform his good works. (laughs) What? Dude, never read Romans. (laughs) Dude, never read Romans. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, and talking about how full obedience is the condition to justification, that Christ is not, you know, the one who truly justifies uh, it's 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 scary. Um, Here's a squirrel moment. Yeah, who talks about this now in 2020 mm-hmm. about being sinless and saying that he has never he doesn't sin anymore? Who? Todd White. Oh my goodness. He is huge, and he has said many many really? times from the pulpit. I'm not talking like in an interview yeah. or like some rogue thing where, you know, somebody caught him and, you know, like they recorded him without his knowing like Nancy Pelosi. I'm talking mm-hmm. like this was like he was in his pulpit preaching mm-hmm. and preaching in air quotes and pulpit in air quotes. He has said that he does not sin. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, whoa. 
Yeah. You don't sin. Read first John chapter two, verses three through six. Mm-hmm. Anybody who says that they don't sin, they are a liar. Yeah. They're <laughs> That's deceiving what themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm matter of fact, I'm going to read that. So yeah. you, you all Go don't think it. that, uh, um, and my wife is probably like, you're supposed to memorize that. We did memorize that as a family, but you know, <laughs> I, I got a lot of scripture I'm, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> here we go. So um, here we go. Uh, chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And and by this we know that we are, I'm trying to say it from memory without looking at it, but I'm not going to do that. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So that is one of the areas that uh, that he has said it. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, there are, as a matter of fact, in First John, um, in our last uh, men's Bible study, there were a plethora, a plethora of places that yeah. uh, that uh, Pastor Matt had actually given us these scriptures on where if someone says that they aren't 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 sinning or don't sin, mm-hmm. that they're a liar. Yes. And Charles Finney in in this whole thing to me just is just an uncovering of yes, what you said. He doesn't read Romans. He doesn't mm-hmm. read the, the scripture. Yeah. He's just coming up with his own like rogue uh uh, uh theology um mm-hmm. that puts you know that really is dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, I mean it's dangerous uh for him to actually say and actually um when I go to the, the Got Questions website he says and I'm gonna turn here and I'm gonna read this uh, it actually says um, he got this doctrine from Matthew 548. Matthew 548 says, you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly father mm-hmm. is perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's what's weird to me is that if you look at the context of the entire thing, um, you know, you're looking at a um, you're looking at love your enemies. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're looking at like that is the section that it's in. This is the, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um, so verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your only greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentile Gentile do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I guarantee that if I pulled this up in my, uh, my, 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 uh, Bible and looked at what the, um, what are those things called? The notes say about mm-hmm. it. It's probably going to say nothing about you actually doing the work mm-hmm. to work towards perfection. Cause mm-hmm. if that was the case, then why do we need Jesus death on the cross? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that goes to a very dangerous um, beginning of the charismatic movement and carrying out through all of this. And especially of that perfectionist teaching it's that sin is diminished. Yeah. The view of God is diminished. Mm-hmm. The view of man is exalted. Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, um, I've heard the reasoning that that guy who taught me perfectionism, the perfectionism doctrine, he reasoned with me like this. He said, you can go five seconds without sinning. Therefore, you can go a minute without sinning. <laughs> Therefore, you could probably go an hour without sinning. And if not an hour, a day. And then you can just, you know, I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't, man. I am. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. No. And it's, you know, you can believe that if you believe that sin is, you know, oh, well, I'm not killing somebody right now. You know, if you, if you diminish your view of sin to believe that it's only those things and you don't truly see the depth of your sin, 
yeah, sure, yeah, I, I don't, I'm no longer a sinner. You know, I no longer sin. But when you believe in Scripture and believe what it says about us as dirty and dumb sheep, we understand that we are sinful people in need of a God who saves. And even bigger than that, if you look at what the uh, the Bible says about our sin, mm-hmm. let's let's not even go there. Let's go mm-hmm. to the fact that you you see what the what does the Bible say about the good things that we do? Mm-hmm. Isaiah four sixty four six. We have all become like one who is unclean, and mm-hmm. all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, yeah. filthy rags. If you if you mm-hmm. do it, and and if and if you get even deeper, uh, it's 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 the rags that they were used that they threw away because they could not use them mm-hmm. anymore. I'm not going to get graphic, right? But if you want to look at it, uh, Isaiah sixty four six, like that is how good our our good deeds, the good stuff yeah. we do, the that best minute, thing we can do, right? That minute, that yeah. hour, that five minutes, that second that we go mm-hmm. without sinning, those those minutes that we can quote unquote go without sinning right. those are literally just filthy rags that will be thrown out yeah so if you don't understand that about your sin mm-hmm. then of course you're going to think that your sin you can be perfect you can go on your life and excuse me yeah. live without having to do uh with you know like well, well having to do uh mm-hmm. you know perfection you know yeah. to, to move towards perfection this is this is scary and and it's you know why scary. this is scary because you're not you're pointing at like none of the none of the things that they have actually said actually point to Christ. Mm-mm. Like as we as I'm as we're like as we're like comparing notes of what we've been mm-hmm. studying, like none of this stuff is actually compared to Christ it's, or or even mentioned Christ. It's no. all about like what you can do. You can be successful. You can speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. You can be a prophet. You can be an apostle. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with, yeah. the, the, you know, in Jesus name, like <clears throat> all the stuff that we are doing you're supposed to do versus what God has done, what God has said and who God is, his character. Right. Like it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It completely takes uh, the glory from God. Yeah, it 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 alters the message, mm-hmm. and it, it's based off of the the those two core issues, man. Of like you know having the continuing revelation of God brought about through people, and and it's through fallible prophecies that you know might be somewhat you know partially right at times, but you know sometimes they're false, and that's okay. You know that belief, in addition to that exalted view of man. And diminished view of mm-hmm. your sin yeah. and of God. Yeah, it's scary, man. But that's the platform on which the charismatic movement was built, mm-hmm. and so you see it going in so many scary directions because of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. So here's what I want to do. I want to end mm-hmm. this one, and then we're gonna come right back uh, on the next one, and we're gonna talk more about this because one of the things that I want to talk about is kind of how the progression, how it's progressed, how the charismatic movement has progressed and these are just like the foundational things about the charismatic movement that we've been talking about today uh but it gets a whole lot scarier when you start looking at what is uh, uh out there right now so thank you all for tuning in today uh if you please reach out to us and, and tell us how uh these uh, podcasts have been uh affecting you and and uh and, and ministering to you or if you don't like us <laughs> send us a letter send us a, a, a an email at the truth toss podcast at gmail.com also 
you can leave us a voicemail at 612-88-TRUTH. Thank you all for tuning in today, and now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone, everywhere, to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at BelcroftBibleChurch.org. Delighting in the Word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.